it's lights out. Go, go, go. And like a tire on Mexican soil, we are ready to roll. As always, I am your host, Ian, along with my co-host. Marco. And here we are, Marco. We had a week off last week, but here we are back in the land of Checo, ready for the Mexican Grand Prix. How are we feeling? What are your thoughts? What's your excitement level? I'm great. I, I mean, no more weeks off for th- Three more weeks. So, yeah, we're just, you know, head down, ready to roar, just like these drivers, kind of nervous. I don't know if our conditioning is is really prepped. We've had a lot of these week offs, you know, here and there sporadically. So, yeah, just a a three back-to-back doubleheader, tripleheader, I guess some would say. Um, Yeah, I mean, I could not be be more excited. Love it. Well, let's get right into it. Uh, Coming up on this episode, we have some recent headlines we're going to talk about, some agree to disagree, a new sector that I'll get to a little bit later. A little Easter egg, uh, a little bit about the track and the Mexican Grand Prix, and then, as always, before a race, we have our race predictions. So, diving right in, let's get to some recent headlines. All right, coming up first, Toto Wolf warns George Russell not to cross boundaries when he joins Mercedes. I'm not sure if there's any more like clear message that Russell can receive at this point that's like, hey, welcome to Mercedes and also welcome to your number two seat. Like you better not be pulling any bullshit. Yeah, I'm very curious. Like this headline seems pretty harsh. I wonder if he came to George with this harshness, being like, hey, like we're not fucking around here. All right. Like you're you're coming in, you know your role. Or like, you know, as probably a normal human being, they were just like, hey, like, you know, you gotta listen to team orders, aka our team orders are you're going to be in second place. Yeah, I would hope that Toto being Toto, he just like looked George in his face and was like, you are number two, little dog. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so something like that. But, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, like anybody, you're right. Like any driver shouldn't be crossing boundaries when it comes to like team stuff. But yeah, let's hope he was really sticking it to him in his face about it. Right, to spit on him almost. <laughs> You'll get more of this if you keep trying to win. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, moving right along. Uh, for all the fans that loved going to the Austin GP, us included, and looking forward to the Miami GP, uh, they sold out in under 40 minutes. Uh, the cheapest tickets now are around $1,700 for a three-day pass. So uh, if you're looking to try to save some money, one, the tickets themselves, two, Miami, um, yeah, good luck. Uh, we don't know what we're going to do. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's just, I think, overall less expensive to make a Europe trip out of it and go to a spa, you know, hit up Belgium while you're there, maybe go to Silverstone, maybe go to Barcelona, Zandvoort. Like, the $1,700 is such an absurd rate for anybody. Like, how are you trying to grow? How are you trying to grow the paddock with $1,700 tickets? But, yeah, I mean, that's You were listing just... all those because you were just saying we could probably do all of those for the same amount of prices. <laughs> right, yeah. Isn't that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, that and paying for the hostels and all the food. Yeah, we could we could hit basically the entire Formula One circuit in Europe. But yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Speaking of ridiculous, our boy William Story. If you remember him, uh, Rich Energy CEO. He was the one that partnered up with Haas and then paid them like their upfront fee and then never paid them again. Pulled out because of quote unquote performance reasons by Haas, but he's back in the news announcing that he may be a title sponsor with an F1 team for the 2022 season. I think he might just view this kind of stuff as marketing because obviously people are talking about it. I'm talking about it right now, Um, but man, it's like... Not all marketing is good marketing, I don't think. Like, it's just like being laughed at all the time. But 
Um, but yeah, I mean, thoughts there? You think it's going to happen? And, and if you do, what team is he going to go with? I can't see a team taking this in after what they've seen. I don't know. Like they would, I, they would need so much assurances that he would come in and like actually do what he says he's going to do. Which I don't like. They would just have to build out a, a heavy, heavy contract. But I mean, I guess if teams are desperate, they'll do whatever it takes. I don't. I just yeah. I, you'd be a fool. Yeah. Uh, also, I mean, while we're on the to- topic of rich energy. The CEO accused shareholders of mounting a coup after the announcement of another partnership deal with the F1 team. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, if you're seeing this, if you're seeing the actual internal workings of Rich Energy, seeing, you know, the CEO calling out the, basically, the CEO's bosses, you know, technically, um, and and calling them that they're mounting a coup, I don't know. This seems like a fun place to work. I'm looking at the LinkedIn profile for Rich Energy right now, and there's like four different ones. In total, I think they all have about 21 employees. So I'm not sure who, which of the 21 employees he's talking about that's mounting this coup or like which of the investors. But yeah, I just I, I feel like all this bullshit is just meant to stir up conversation about Rich Energy. Um, you know, all the while we have not seen a rich energy can sold anywhere, you know, not in Europe, not anywhere else around the country. So, um, yeah, this is, just continues to be one of the wildest stories and, and probably sometime and probably at some point will be a, a case study for a marketing class. Ankle. I wonder if uh, they're just trying to go under like they want to be the bad boys of Formula One. So they're just doing dumb shit. Yeah, I could. I mean, maybe, but right now they're just like the bad people of Formula One. Like, <laughs> not really bad boys, just pieces of shit. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think, yeah, I think they're interpreting it wrong. But I mean, if it's gonna work, if they get another F one team to sponsor, then like it, it's fucking working. I don't know. Like, we can't yeah. give them any shit. Proofs in the pudding, definitely. Uh, all right, moving right along, we have McLaren claiming that Ferrari has the edge over McLaren in the constructors fight. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, Ian, but I think it was around the Red Bull ring, like around those races that uh, you were saying that McLaren was going to pull ahead of Ferrari and it's basically, you know, you know, uh, wipe your hands off, easy third place for McLaren. I said, uh, I think Ferrari's going to come back. I think they're going to make a strong push and uh, look at where we are now. Whether or not I said that, which, you know, I think is obviously up for debate. Um, yeah, it is impressive that Ferrari have kind of made the upgrades to the engine that they made um, and seemingly definitely closed the gap, not just in points, but definitely like on the track um, in terms of like actual results. Even with some slow pit stops we've been seeing in the Ferrari garage, um, you know, they're they're getting it done. And we were at the Austin Grand Prix where it looked like kind of, you know, other than Danny poking up there around like P5, P6, um, you know, Ferrari was pretty dominant and Charles, you know, Charles swept that, that top of the midfield. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, this is going to be another one that's just as entertaining, I think, as the Mercedes Red Bull and the Max Lewis, um, because they are currently four points away from each other, well, I guess four and a half points away from each other right now. So we will see. And speaking of, uh, constructors battles, I wanted to bring up, I saw something pretty interesting on, uh, on the formula one Reddit page. The difference between 2020 versus 2021 points differences up to this point, so up until the number of races that we've done this season, uh, who do you think, Marco, has the biggest differential um, in terms of positive points from this year to last year? Um, Ferrari. 
Ferrari is correct. So 119 wow. and a half points ahead of what they were bringing in last year. Um, second place Red Bull with uh, 118 and a half points better than what they were doing last year. McLaren 52 points ahead of where they were in 2020 at this point. And then we have Williams, since they have 23 points right now, they are 23 points better than where they were last season. So Alfa Romeo down one point, Haas down three points since they have no points. Um, Alpha Tauri 13 points behind where they were actually, which is kind of surprising because I feel like Pierre putting in his uh, his good season that he's had this year kind of highlights the bad year that Yuki's had so far in his debut. Um, going on to Alpine, minus 77, so 77 points off of what Renault was getting at this point last year. Mercedes second to last. They are 112.5 points under their total at this point of the season last year. And then finally, uh, Aston Martin, obviously racing point last year, was absolutely crushing it, just copying the 2019 Mercedes and you know essentially getting all of that past performance. Uh, now they are 133 points behind what they had last year. So pretty impressive to be, uh, to be that much worse. But if you ask Lawrence Stroll, he is the next big thing in Formula One, and they are on the right trajectory. So good for them. They got to figure it out. That's what he's basically saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving on to potentially some new F1 constructors coming in. Porsche is, and if you're if you look into F1 news, um, I don't know if you notice this, but everyone reuses the same headlines as oh, yeah. all other websites. So this is the exact same thing that I saw from 13 other websites. Porsche <laughs> quote seriously considering F1 move de- decision to be made. Obviously, that is something that we've kind of discussed uh, in previous episodes, but F1 is hoping to introduce a new engine formula in 2026. Uh, this could be kind of when they're they're wanting to jump in and could be why they're trying to uh, jump in. But yeah, uh, we keep saying to see Porsche back on in Formula One would be an awesome sight to see. So hopefully we get some good news barring that. And uh, yeah, I could see them on the grid here in the next couple of years. Yeah, I agree that it would be really cool. Porsche is an awesome brand. Um, just kind of one of those things where I'll believe it when I see it because, quote unquote, seriously considering is something that any car manufacturer could do, I think. Like, you know, Audi could be seriously considering. BMW, we heard at one point, was seriously considering. Um, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, everybody could could be, quote unquote, seriously, really, you know, really giving it a nice thought. But, uh, but it's just one of those things where it's like, all right, who are you going to buy? You know when you're gonna get in, and so it's it's nice to have these headlines on the horizon. But yeah, I agree with you. It's just just recycled headlines. Just another Easter egg for one of our sectors coming up soon. So stick around. Uh, next up, we have Total Wolf calling Christian Horner a quote protagonist in a pantomime. Marco, do you know what a pantomime is? Please enlighten me. But I do definitely know. I definitely know though. Yeah, no, I did too. I just looked it up to get like a clean definition for the listeners. Um, so a pantomime is a theatrical entertainment, uh, mainly for children, that involves music, topical jokes, and slapstick comedy and is based on a fairy tale or nursery story, usually produced around Christmas. So essentially what I think he's saying is like the equivalent, the like the British way of saying that someone's a clown is by saying they're a protagonist in a pantomime of just like, you know, they're up there flapping around, making a big to-do about nothing. Uh, and if you think about it, I don't think there's like a more, there's obviously like insults that can sting. You know, you can, you can cross the line with some insults, but I think this is very much like, you know, within the realm of British politeness um, while still being like true enough that you got to think that Christian Horner reading this is like, fuck, 
that was uh, you know hits a little too uh, too close to home with the accuracy. Yeah, I, like I, I think this is like a very impressive highbrow dig because yeah. <laughs> um, if I was like out and not really thinking about it with my like thinking brain on, and someone called me that, I'd be like, hey, thanks, man. I like I like I really like my outfit as well. I feel like yeah, I'd just be not only am I insulted, but my like dumb brain would be very slow to understand that that was an insult. So, yeah, it's one of those insults that you only can dole out like when you're in you know white tie attire at a you know at a gala or something like that. Mm-hmm. Champagne is everywhere. There is oh, yeah. uh, anytime you use this, there is a room with a champagne glass tower. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving right along, we have obviously had some rumors the last couple of weeks. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg has been uh, testing out some Indy cars. Uh, he was testing out the McLaren. Or, uh, during Austin, uh, the Austin GP, he said he is out in IndyCar due to personal reasons, which obviously a big bummer. Always like to see uh, him in the mix, him on the grid, no matter what it is. But uh, obviously, yeah, didn't want to make the trip to the U.S. And, and kind of spend some time out here. Roman Grosjean clearly has been loving his time here, but uh, it's a bummer that we don't get to see another Formula One driver in the IndyCar series. Yeah, and especially, you know, Fernando made the track from Formula One to IndyCar and then back into Formula One. Obviously, Nico Hulkenberg is not even a race winner, let alone a you know driver's champion. But at the same time, I think like everybody just likes Nico. Like Everybody likes Hulk. And so, yeah, seeing him uh, be out for personal reasons is obviously concerning. But, um, yeah, I don't think this is the end of the line for, for Nico. I think you know sooner than, sooner than later we'll probably see him out on the track again. Yeah. And then finally, um, this is another one of those great headlines. Uh, you know, F1 is trying to fix the weather problem during the rain, but it's just not as easy as you'd think. Yeah, uh, I, I was looking into a little bit uh, and what this means. Uh, they basically were saying that a lot, the two biggest things were uh, visibility that they have been really struggling with, as well as obviously like hydroplaning. They, they are just saying that the 2022 car is going to help with the visibility pro- problem and uh, would reduce spray. Uh, and then as far as the hydroplaning part, they talked to Pirelli and basically Pirelli was like, hey, we're thinking about, you know, we considered making kind of like a monsoon type of tire uh, that they could drive in. But we're trying to yeah. focus on sustainability and that wouldn't be right to add in another tire for that. Yeah, it seems like the hydroplaning part won't uh, be fixed, but hopefully they're saying that the the way that the 2022 car is constructed, that the visibility at least will be a little bit better. But uh, yeah, so this problem is probably going to continue uh, as we see as we saw this year in 2022. I think also another thing that the FIA could take into consideration is, uh, you know, they could talk to Doug Dimmodome of the Dimsdale Dimmodome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. be a quick, easy no. conversation. We'd be <laughs> happy mean, to facilitate that. I mean, sustainability, check. Like you just, yeah. it's a moving dome. Easy. Uh, jobs, check. Yeah. Uh, all kinds, you, of, all kinds. Yeah, of if you hate F one and you hate, you know, yeah, like better living, then yeah, you won't reach out to them. Exactly. All right, let's move on to the next sector with agree to disagree. Meow. All right, coming up in this sector, you've heard it before. I gather some opinions on the internet and put them in front of Marco to see whether or not his expert F1 opinion is going to agree or disagree with them. So, Marco, we ready? We ready ready to do this? Do this thing? I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, All right, coming up first. 
Um, agree or disagree? There will be a change in constructor's standings in the upcoming race in Mexico. So just to give you a quick reminder, third place McLaren and fourth place Ferrari are currently separated by four and a half points. And then fifth place Alpine and sixth place Alpha Tauri are separated by ten points. Uh, I'm going to go with yes, and I'm going to do it with the 3-4 spot. I think that, obviously, Lando has been not necessarily himself that we've seen all year, uh, the last couple races, until I see that kind of move back. Like, it's not, obviously, he's not driving poorly. It's just, like, hasn't been that consistent. Like, he's battling for third, fourth, or potentially, like, second in a couple races. So, um, yeah, I, um, I'm going to go with Ferrari makes the leap. Love it. Okay, I'm going to say it stays the same because I think Lando had an off off drive in the U.S. And, um, and yeah, with Ricardo gaining some momentum, I'll say it stays the same. So we'll revisit that after this coming Grand Prix. All right, next up. So for some context here right now, Sergio Perez is one point above Lando Norris and the driver standings. Agree or disagree, Sergio will maintain fourth place after the Mexican Grand Prix. His home race... You know, he's got Lando chomping at the bit behind him, but uh, but you think he's going to be able to, to, to kind of keep his position and hold his ground here? Yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, when, like you said, Mexican GP, his home GP, uh, he's been coming off a very, very strong drive in Austin. So it just seems like kind of the like two drivers who both have done great this year. Um, it's just kind of like their trajectory. The last couple races have been going opposite directions. So I think that continues to stay. And it's also a very Red Bull-friendly track. So, yeah, I think that he's going to extend that lead. Love it. Red Bull-friendly track. Getting a little bit of a preview for our mm-hmm. race preview, for a track preview. Um, all right, next up. You might have seen this, obviously. All right, next up, you might have seen this. There are currently 23 races that are going to take place in the 2022 F1 season. Agree or disagree, Marco? We should have more than 23 races in the 2022 season. Obviously, it'd be nice for us fans, but it's a little bit, you know, with these triple headers, teams are having to go, you know, essentially have a very different day every single day, no days off for three weeks. Uh, you know, more more or less races than, than 23. I think for the 2022 season, I think... Uh, disagree. I I think 23 obviously is a record number for Formula One. So like, would I want more than 23 on a race calendar? Absolutely. But uh, yeah, building up to it, I, I fully kind of back, especially with, you know, we still have that fun COVID issues that we're dealing with. Track, you know, once tracks can stop and locations stop canceling the races due to COVID, maybe we can start talking about uh, increasing it down the road. But yeah, I think, you know, they're, they're clearly making the right trend of of getting more and more every single year. So I like the trend, but yeah, I think I'm comfortable with 23. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, if, if anything, you know, make the season longer, like, you know, don't Mm -hmm. make a shorter off season. And, but, uh, but it'll be like golf where there is no off season. Yeah. Nice. Love that. That'd be great for us. And I'm sure the mechanics in the garage, if they ever hear this, they'll want to come for our throats, but um, (laughs) yeah, don't have any, uh, yeah. Don't have any uh, mechanic uh, fans in this podcast after this. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I mean, we had tons, but now I don't think Too we many. have any. Too yeah. many, yeah. That's good. We got to cool the, cool the herd a little bit. Exactly. All right, and then finally, I got a little scenario for you that I want you to cook up in your head. Imagine during this upcoming Mexican Grand Prix, Sergio Perez is in P1, Max Verstappen is in P2, Lewis Hamilton in P3. Agree or disagree, Red Bull would call for Checo to let Max buy... Um, giving Max that point advantage and hopefully relying on Checo to be able to withhold uh, Lewis there. Uh, yeah, I 
100% agree. This was actually something that I was going to bring up to you as well. Uh, There was actually an article a couple hours ago that um, brought this up and talked to Perez about that. And he basically was like, hey, this is going to be very difficult um, if this situation does come true and they ask, you know, Max overtake me, he basically was like, I'm going to have to judge the situation and a bunch of factors at that point, you know, at that point during the race. But uh, he was like, you know, it's it's a team sport and, you know, I got to do what's best for the team. So like he didn't really make any hard indications being like, yeah, like if they ask me to back off, I'll back off. But um, yeah, I, it would be interesting. I 100% think Christian Horner would say that. Uh, just because it's Max, it's his little like ch- it's his child, and he would do whatever it takes to give him the best opportunity to win a drivers' championship. So yeah, I 100% can see this happening. Um, but would I want it to happen? Absolutely not. And I think the rest of the entire country of Mexico would also be super shitty with Red Bull. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you know, hopefully it doesn't come to that. We'll see though. It's just there's so many layers to this upcoming Grand Prix. Obviously, Checo being. You know, for his home race, as we've said 18 times during this podcast. But, uh, but yeah, I think there, there's just so much to look forward to. And, uh, yeah, I think there's a couple things. I wrote down your answers. We'll see if you're right in the next episode. So uh, that'll do it for, for Agree to Disagree. All right, we have a surprise bonus sector here before we get to the track and uh, the Mexican Grand Prix and then race predictions here. So... Um, the, the purpose of this kind of bonus surprise sector is multifaceted. Firstly, like, you know, F1 journalists, which is a term I use pretty loosely are, they're a funny bunch, right? Um, you know, definitely several who are excellent, talented writers that help us understand the sport in ways that otherwise would be impossible. But, you know, there are others where it seems like they just have like a daily quota of required stories and the quota must be so high that the published stories or articles can often catch the eye and just like, hey, what is this? So whether it's like obvious, ridiculous, unnecessary, or you know, not very important to the sport, uh, or even like a quote taken drastically out of context, you know, the, the list can kind of go on. So, so what we're going to do for this sector, I collected about 15 different headlines from various different uh, motorsport magazines or websites um, that have accompanying stories with them. And I also wrote 15 different headlines that are not, uh, you know, real that I have I have just completely fabricated, and I want to see whether or not you'll be able to tell them apart. Capiche? 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 All right. Coming up first, um, Sergio Perez recollects cold calling teams for an F1 opportunity. Real or fake? Real. Real. <laughs> it was. Yeah. So I guess this off season he was just. You know, dialing them up, kind mm-hmm. of what I do on a day-to-day, just being like, hey, uh, any chance we could set up a meeting and I could show you that I can drive? But, <laughs> like, cold calling, man. Yeah, fancy seeing you here. Um, <laughs> can I be your driver? Yeah. All right, real or fake headline, Lando Norris is, quote, on the level of Verstappen and Hamilton. Uh, fake. That is true, actually. Thanks to Planet F1. That's an opinion piece. How about that? So, yeah, there's obviously the 1 2 battle, but there's obviously the battle with the 4, I guess. Okay, yeah. So, like, I kind of confused myself here, being like, did he actually say this? There's no way. But I forgot. I'm guessing if the headline said it. All right, I'm back. All right. That one doesn't count. That doesn't count. Nope. Doesn't count. Max Verstappen urges team to, quote, nail it. In Mexico and Brazil. 
<laughs> That's got to be true because I feel like I've seen a quote like that all the time. Yeah. It's just one of those where they're like... Like the headline, you're like, like, okay, yeah, what? Okay. Like, what are you going to put in this article that I'm not going to already know? Like, yeah, we're, we're really going to do our best and try hard here. It's just going to, like, one sentence blow. It's like, refer to headline. Yeah, I guess that's the the article. Coming up next here, Anthony Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton's father, calls Lewis, quote, the last of the Mohicans. That's got to be fake. (laughs) That is a real headline from Planet F1. I don't know what that means. I didn't even click on the story, but I was like, this is exactly what I want for this sector here. Um, I think he just means like, you know, last of the, of the multi, you know, six or seven, maybe eight championship winners, uh, just especially because of the new regulations. I assume, don't know, didn't read the article. Coming up next, Hamilton says he would, quote, rather see equality among people of different skin color than to win the 2021 Drivers World Championship. True. False. <laughs> I made God, that one up, but I got you. That I was a good one. Dude. I'm having way I, too I mean, much yeah, fun. Like, he's been talking about that a bunch. So, yeah, like, yeah. I, like I, I could very much see him pulling that card, especially when he was, like, not about to win. It's like, hey, no, you know, like, we're doing so much on diversity. Really don't matter about the, this 2021. Yeah, you're worried about, like, you know, a stupid little race. I'm worried about, you know, races coming together. Just made that up on the spot, nice. by the way. Thanks. Yeah, no, it seemed like it did. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, a couple more. Uh, McLaren boss Zach Brown won't be surprised if he sees, quote, spitting and dancing after title is decided between Verstappen and Hamilton. Is he spitting? Spitting and dancing. Uh, it's probably true, but I'm going to get go with false. You are correct. I just wanted to throw you off there with one where you're like, is this something that I don't know about? Or is this like a... Is this some, some, lingo, kind of some F1 lingo that I got to get yeah. caught up on? <laughs> Good stuff. Next up, uh, Ross Braun says there's a, quote, very real chance of even faster cars in the future. It's true. I mean, you never know. It's actually false. But the <laughs> fact that you thought it was true shows exactly the point of this sector. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. He was like, yeah, this 2022 car, because they've been seeing things about this 2022 car where it's like only half second off pace from uh, 2021 car, this current car. Which apparently is like astonishing work for uh, for Formula One to like have all the the changes that they've made to only be a half second slower. So I thought, yeah, obviously, like, hey, as they keep con- continuing performance stuff like that, it'll be faster. Yeah, I know. I've I've seen that the the twenty two cars are supposed to be a little slower, but um, but yeah, I mean. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think there's going to be modifications and stuff that maybe they'll start out a little slower, but I there's no way that they're not going to catch up, but you know, who knows. All right, and then last one here. Helmet Marco gives the all clear on Max's quote just normal cold virus. True. It is true. Um no, okay, so this is, you know, it was a real story that I saw. At first I was like, "Oh, okay, that's good." And then a little bell went off in my head being like Hey, did uh, did Max just have COVID in, in the U.S. Grand Prix? Like, did they just have COVID and they're yeah, like, just nah, a subtle this is right too there. important. Yeah, they, there's no way. Like, what if, dude, what if a battle, like a title battle gets decided because one of these, like, top two drivers gets COVID? How anticlimactic would that be for just an awesome season so far? Yeah, I could definitely see Red Bull having a cover-up on that. Yeah, just being like trying to switch out tests with Sergio. <laughs> sorry, Sergio, you're gone. Yeah, sorry, you have to skip the Mexican Grand Prix because Max has COVID. 
Because Max says, this is your problem to have. <laughs> awesome. All right, that was fun. I want to do that a lot more just because I do. There is a part of me that sees these ridiculous headlines and is like, man, I like. I feel like I could write some of these just as like a, you know, as as a as a prank, kind of like the Onion style. Um, but uh, yeah, we will do that more. Um, but for now, I'm gonna turn it over to you, Marco. Tell me about the track. Tell me about the Mexican Grand Prix. Um, actually, before you do that, though. I do want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Um, this talk about the track and Mexican Grand Prix is brought to you by the Saudi Arabia and the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. So process of building the track for the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix is currently underway as the Jeddah Corniche circuit is coming along quite well. And Marco, before you interrupt me, uh, let me say I know what you're probably thinking. You're probably sitting there thinking Saudi Arabia, you know, where same-sex sexual activity is illegal and punishable by imprisonment up to life. You know, right? Saudi Arabia, you know, the place where beheadings, stonings, amputations, and lashings are or recently were all part of the criminal justice system. Like Saudi Arabia, where up until 2018, women weren't allowed to drive. You know, Saudi Arabia, where women aren't allowed to enroll at a university without written permission from their husbands or father. Saudi Arabia, where up until 2020, last year, flogging was an appropriate punishment for small crimes like drinking alcohol. Saudi Arabia, where human rights organizations like Amnesty International are banned from forming or establishing chapters anywhere in the country. That Saudi Arabia? I thought we were supposed to race as one. I thought F1 and the FIA were making strides for human rights and civil rights. Regardless, the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix will still take place on December 5th as soon as they complete that pesky old task of finishing the actual circuit before we race there in about one month's time. Saudi Arabia Grand Prix. Rights out and away we go. Where is Sebastian Vettel when we need him most? Time to take a step up. <laughs> I could see him taking the race off, you know, being like, hey, this goes uh, pretty like heavily against what I believe in. Uh, and, you know, I feel like I don't have too much more time here in this F1 grid, so fuck it. Race off. Yeah, I'm done. I mean, it's not like he's racing for anything right now anyway. That's true, yeah. <laughs> Take a vacay. All right. Well, very cool with that sponsor, that ad. Hopefully we uh, they figure some stuff out off the track and on the track. Uh, yeah. So moving on right along, we're going to have our Mexico City Grand Prix information session as some would say uh so the mexico city grand prix it is 17 turns there are two drs zones and about 4.3 kilometers or about 2.67 miles long the first gp was in 1963 uh so actually in 1959 the father of mexico's most famous racing brothers ricardo and pedro rodriguez was an advisor to the mexican president uh, and, you know, obviously with his sons being drivers themselves, he had a word with in his boss's ear about building a racing circuit in Mexico City's sports park using existing internal roads. The president liked the idea and the work on the track was completed in under a year. So, like, that just shows in Saudi Arabia, you know, like, if Mexico City can do it in 1959 in under a year, there's no excuses, guys. Got me figure it out. Uh, Formula One cars arrived in 1962 for a non-championship race and then returning in 1963 for an actual bona fide Grand Prix. That 1963 race was won by Jim Clark. Uh, so this, after 1963, the uh, Mexico's Fiesta vibes, kind of the party atmosphere, party scene, it became kind of a traditional season ender for Formula One. So Mexico for Formula One. So yeah, a lot of the drivers kind of similar to uh, Monaco where like it was kind of a party scene. Uh, drivers looked forward to that. 
But in that, uh, actually, in that first race in 1962, um, the very first Formula One race, uh, there was a death of Ricardo Rodriguez. So um, that was a, a big, yep, a big uh, hit on that. And that was obviously, as I mentioned earlier, those were Mexico's most famous racing brothers. So one down. Um, about this track, it is extremely high up. Uh, so this sits over two kilometers above sea level, about 1.24 miles high making the each lap you know very tough on the drivers they uh, obviously a little bit very little air up there so yeah endurance is going to be a huge factor with that uh the track still largely follows the outline of the original 1959 circuit with some few modifications here and there uh with actually you know what i found interesting with with higher levels of or with it being so high up uh there will be higher levels of downforce due to this air will be 25 percent less dense than uh, a track like monza secure cooling also becomes a problem with less air around so teams will probably use bigger brake ducts um and then uh, turns the actual track itself as well there are uh, some pretty slow turns on this track with some high curbs so really like going off the track in those areas are very difficult if you are going to the track for our listeners going to the track you will want to find a spot on the four of soul uh you'll actually get a very cool peer down into the cockpits of the drivers as they pass through the stadium and you're in perfect, perfect situation for the podium ceremony when it unfolds. Uh, so, yeah, just, you know, if you're going there, good luck uh, with that. But I would say that is the, the place to be. Uh, and then some history about the track. So, uh, as I had mentioned, a little bit of it. But um, there was crowd control issues in 1968 and 1970, which contributed to the cancellation of the event. So from 1971 to 1985, uh, no races held in Mexico City. In 1970, there was a record crowd of approximately 200,000 arrived to see Pedro Rodriguez. Uh, They delayed the start of the race by an hour as they struggled to control the crowd. At one point, a dog ran across the track and was hit by a driver. During the race, spectators threw bottles at the track. Amid the chaos, Ferrari finished a 1-2. Uh, the event in 1971 was scheduled with a huge fund deposited in a Swiss bank to help guarantee better crowd control. But after the death of Pedro Rodriguez, that uh, he died in an inter-series race in Germany earlier that year, the plane was abandoned. So the uh, most famous drivers, one and two, uh, both done. And um, so, yeah, held um, relatively small, uh, gone too early uh, races. But, uh, you know, back to the track. From 1986 to 1992, the race was back being held there with notable dominating wins from Prost and Senna. Shocker. In 1992, the race had been moved towards March due to Mexico's record level of air pollution. That last year, Senna ran into a concrete wall in practice. Many of the drivers were complaining about the bumpiness of the track and its poor condition. Pair that with the air pollution, unstable population growth. F1 decided to move on from Mexico City. Eventually coming back in 2015, where they had it every year except for COVID, with Lewis winning in 2016 and 2019, and Max in 2017 and 2018. So uh, a little bit of history with that. It looks like both Lewis and Max have done well on this track. Uh, we'll see, yeah, who uh, who is going to be the third win between the two of them in Mexico City. Weather looks like uh, Friday through Sunday, all is going to be very similar type of weather every single day with a high of 73 all three days. Partially cloudy all three days as well, and then low around the mid-40s, obviously, with a high elevation. Uh, There's some 
major fluctuations in weather during that weekend. But uh, there you have it. There's Mexico City. Um, and yeah, hopefully that helps you guys out before the big race. All right, so yeah, moving on to race predictions. Um, just to catch everyone up, the score is an even 20 to 20 between Ian and I. Uh, moving right into it, who do you think will crash your DNF? I went with Danny Ricardo. I think he just, you know, consistency had been his problem this year, and he had been coming off on a high in Austin. So yeah, I think we, we see some troubles with him. I hope you're very wrong. My crash or DNF is going to be Valtteri Bottas. I think that would really spice up the Mercedes versus Red Bull battle toward the end of the season. So, yeah, lock me in for Valtteri. My winner is going to be Max. Who you got? Yeah, that's a fucking cop-out move. I'm going to go with Sergio Perez at the home GP Mexico Grand Prix. All right. Uh, Last place, I'm going to go with Nikita Mazepin. I am also going to go with Nikita Mazepin, so... We got those mouthspin counts that we've been holding on to for quite some time. So, yeah, just going to, you know, milk those out. Uh, most overtakes, I'm going to go with George Russell. Yeah, for my most overtakes, I'll go with Danny Ricardo. I'm hoping he puts up a stinker in qualifying and then just races everybody really well with that McLaren that hopefully does well in Mexico. Uh, driver of the day, I'm going to go uh, with Max. Yeah, I'm, I'm torn here. Um, I'm actually going to let you pick which one of these uh, I get. So it's either going to be Checo or Lando. Which one is going to be my selection? You make the pick. Lando. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. I'll go with Lando. Douche of the day brought to you by Summer's Eve. Uh, I'm gonna go with Valtteri Bottas. Uh, yeah, I no no real reason here. I'm just kind of, this is more of like a hope than a guess, but uh, but yeah, we'll see. I'm gonna go with Esteban Ocon. He just seems like a little weasel to me, so maybe he does that. So I don't know. Uh, fastest he pits. is a little weasel. He does. Fuck that yeah, guy. I know. Not not. He's my least favorite driver. I would say on the grid. Uh, fastest <laughs> pit stop minus Red Bull. I'm gonna go with Aston Martin. I don't think that they do well in this, so uh, I'm gonna regret that. No, I think they've I think they've won it uh, at least at least one time oh, before. Oh, um, oh, I'm set. And then for, for Ferrari is going to be my guess, who also has won it specifically one time before. So yeah, we're really rolling the dice here. We'll see. And then for my wildcard prediction, um, I saw yours and I thought that it was a pretty stupid wildcard prediction. So I'm going to like do the exact same, but a little bit different. I'm going to say exactly one safety card comes out during the race. Yeah, I um, I should have gone first on this one because my wildcard prediction that I had first was exactly two safety cars during the race. So we'll see. I've uh, I've not had much luck with these like picking the exact numbers of whether safety cars or DNFs. But yeah, we'll yeah, see. you love that shit. You, I do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't I do. Get, it was that or the the podium. Um, yeah, those are yeah. you were just riding high <laughs> on those. Because yeah. once you hit them, they're so like it feels so good. You're like, I'm a fucking genius. Yeah, it's like a big parlay that I can never win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that does it for race predictions. That does it for episode 37 on the Eaton Asphalt podcast. We appreciate you guys greatly listening in. And yeah, we're really excited for the race. And uh, hopefully, yeah, we get some good race. And Rubbin is racing. Let's hope to, to see some, um, yeah, at the top, all the way down to the bottom. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to it. Any last words, Ian? No, go Checo, and let's. Uh, we'll see you after Mexico. All right, see you assholes. See you assholes.